KMW, my name is Melissa. And my name is Stephanie Kirkache, and we are two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women. And your hosts of Millennial Women Talk, the podcast, the number one podcast for millennial women looking to elevate their lives, mind, body, and soul. We're so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Katherine Wolf. Katherine is a survivor, communicator, and advocate. Originally from the South, she met her husband, Jay, in college. The 22-year-old couple married and moved to Los Angeles where Jay was pursuing a law career and Catherine began modeling. At just 26 years old and a new mom, Catherine suffered an unexpected massive brainstem stroke that left her fighting for her life. After 16-hour micro brain surgery, Catherine miraculously lived. In her book, Suffer Strong, she and her husband, Jay, disrupt the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life and offer readers practical insights into surviving anything by redefining how we think about everything. Catherine, welcome to Millennial Women Talk, the podcast. We are so honored to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So, Catherine, let me paint the picture for everybody. You're 26. You're a new mom. You have a wonderful marriage. You're living in Malibu. And then the unthinkable happens. You were put into a coma for two months, not estimated to survive, and the doctors pretty much told your husband, she's not gonna survive this. I would love to know what goals or dreams did you have for yourself before this happened to you? Right, it's really fascinating. When I did have that brainstem stroke and become severely disabled at 26, it was absolutely out of nowhere with no warning, no medical history, no family history, no symptoms, nothing. And then, boom, just a massive stroke and nearly death. And prior to the stroke, having just had a baby and being married to an incredible man and living in Malibu, I don't think I thought a lot about my future other than that it was going to be easy and wonderful and just amazing in every way. And there was never a thought given that my life might be turned upside down in the moment. It was, um, you know, I was so young that I wasn't aware yet probably that awful things happen and that there is deep suffering on earth. I don't think I even understood that yet. Catherine, you're a woman of faith. Did you ever ask why did this happen to me? A hundred percent. Oh gosh, absolutely. I, I would think almost the first five years after I had the stroke and became disabled and was relearning to eat and speak and walk and all of these huge things, I think there was a, a, a definite wrestling with God of how can this be my life and my story and what is God doing and has he left me and abandoned me and there was a sense even in those early moments that somehow um the faith that I had grown up with and the God that I had believed in from the time I was a small child was allowing me to see like a a different way that somehow my life mattered so much to God, even if I couldn't understand yet how. And then instead of feeling like God had made this terrible mistake with my life and that I really should have died and not be here and that 
this didn't even make sense and I'm caught between life and death and just really wrestling with God on why am I on earth and somehow those feelings turned in time to a deep purpose in my situation from just the tragedy of wondering if this was a mistake to really viewing this as a calling that God had on my life and really a, a voice and an advocate for the unheard and unseen disabled community and just to be sort of a champion and ambassador for hope in a way that I could never have been before my stroke. What would you say was your lowest point along your journey? I would say the very, very lowest moment was about six months after the stroke when I was living in a rehab brain hospital and could not walk or talk or eat food yet. And I remember this very vivid moment of wondering why I was still on earth. Like, couldn't I have just died? Wouldn't that have been better for everyone? Couldn't Jay have remarried? Couldn't James eventually have a normal mommy? Everyone would stop being so sad all the time. Like, this is not how life should be. I shouldn't be here. And in that very dark moment, it was in November of 2008, I just deeply remember this shift that can only come, as you're saying, from the deep faith I'd had since I was a little girl, that something in me said that God knew this was part of a bigger picture story and that I could not see in this moment, but I just had to hold on and trust that God was taking care of me. And while this was absolutely nothing like I thought my life would look like as a 26-year-old young mom that God had something so special for me that I just had to wait and see. And the beauty of that is that that totally happened. Like, no, if you look at me today, am I 100% back to pre-stroke? Not at all. But I couldn't care less because I do all the things they thought I would never do and yes, I can't walk long distances and I use a wheelchair. And yes, my face is paralyzed on one side. And yes, I'm deaf in one ear and all these different things. But I do stand up. I do smile. See, I do um, eat food. I do, I've, I've gone on to have a second child. I've had a new baby. I, um, you know, I live a semi-normative life, and that was never supposed to be possible. So I, I see how God came through so clearly in my story and how he does that for each of us. It would be advice to see it that way. We are talking about faith and God, and, and sometimes as a person of faith, you almost feel like, I can't feel sad. If I feel right. sad, then I don't have faith, right? Like Totally. How did you deal with that? immense sadness of yes life never being the same again and life completely changing for you can you talk to us a little bit about sadness and how you dealt with that oh yeah well no and i still deal with sadness and and layers and tenders of deep sadness um that are all part of the emotional makeup of a woman 
We cannot mm-hmm. deny that emotions are a part of our experience as human yes. beings. Absolutely. We just cannot let our emotions, our feelings dictate our lives. Feelings must be felt. Emotions must be expressed. Absolutely. But if I'm operating from a place of my feelings, that is so tragic because that changes Mm -hmm. constantly. How I feel changes every day all the time. So if I'm only basing my life on how I feel in the moment, it is such a tragic way to live because that is changing constantly. I refuse to be ruled by my emotions. I may not feel like it in this moment, but if I long-term know it's a part of a goal that I have or a dream that I have, I'm gonna do it anyway. You know, I'm pretty certain in every category of life, I mean, take an Olympic athlete, great example. I'm fairly certain they do not like all the feelings that come with training. Please, of course not. But they love the outcome. It's worth it. I think the same is true in all of our lives and stories. I mean, how could it not be that in moments we may not love feelings we have, but feelings are not in charge of us. I would also love to follow up with, because I think that everybody wants to be joyful. Everybody wants to be happy, right? For sure. And there are certain things that happen to us that we carry. And sometimes we can say, Oh, I don't feel sad about that anymore, right? But I think you mentioned this in a video that I saw on YouTube, and it was that some sadness you carry throughout your whole life, but that doesn't mean that you can't be happy in the midst of still holding on that sadness. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that happiness and joyfulness can still be at the forefront of your life, even if you do have something that you will always feel sad about within you? Absolutely. I love that thought so much. I'm so glad you mentioned it. I love the thought that even in the most glorious, joyous of situations in my life, there is still a tenor of sadness to my story. And that is okay Mm -hmm. to acknowledge. We are human beings. There is sadness. We're not going to forget and just move on from horrible things that have happened to us and things we've been through. Of course not. I've heard it said that instead of moving on, we will never move on, but we can move forward from where we've been. And that's very different that we carry the scars with us, no doubt. That's so stupid to say you just, you know, forget what's happened to you, forgetting what's behind. No, it's all part of learning the right lessons from where you've been, but there is sadness in the story. And that's okay to say, I think that will be lifelong for all of us in life, is there's things that happen that we are never going to forget. We may move forward from them, absolutely, but we carry that with us. You know, I would would say that is such a ridiculous notion that the Western world perpetuates, that we just forget and do us the new best thing. Like, that's so ludicrous. You want to tell a mother who loses a child that they're just going to forget their child? That's so stupid. Like, why would we we say that to each other? No, no. I think the opposite is true. There's always a tender of sadness, even in the very best of stories. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. You know, it's so interesting because um, we always see you together with your husband, Jay, and you guys travel, I think, the whole world, right? Together speaking? Or is it across the country? 
Yeah, we do. <laughs> it must be a lot of fun to be traveling the world with your best friend. And you guys have such a beautiful relationship because reading your books and seeing your, your speeches in, in YouTube, I, we really enjoy it. And it's such an inspiration to watch. But, you know, Aww, I think a lot you. of... Um, you're welcome. I think, you know, millennial women are always looking to have it all right. And that includes the relationship, either the boyfriend or the husband or fiance. But, you know, we're, we're looking to have a solid relationship. And you guys went through something that is very difficult. But I would love to know, how was, how was your marriage able to survive and not break through in, during such a challenging time? Absolutely. Um, are either one of you all married or both? Uh, I'm engaged. She's engaged. You're engaged. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yes. And thank you. Are you one day, one day. I'm still looking I, for um, the one. She's still looking. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Choose wisely. <laughs> I would That's say good that advice. for for both of us, we did marry young, which is not right for everyone. My goodness. To all you millennial women, that is right. not necessarily the route to take. But for <laughs> us, it worked really well because we always started our journey as adults together. So there was the sense that we're in this together. So it may be harder in some ways, and it's just important for a millennial woman to wake up to the reality they've been doing life on their own. So they have to like engraft a partner into it, a teammate for life. And that's what Jay and I at 22 years old started was, we're in this together. We're now a team. So it's very different than like, it's me and the stroke over here and Jay's on the other side. No, Jay's a part of this. He always says he didn't have the stroke, but he might as well have. He's cared for me every day since. So it's like we're a team. So it's not separate. Like we have two children. It's not like I had two children. It's like the, our, our wolf team does things. And I think that's so important to operate that way in marriage. And honestly, we saw pictures of that with both sets of our parents. And not to say you can't come from a broken home and have this times 10,000. You can, but it's really right. beautiful to see my, my parents will celebrate 45 years of marriage and his are on 43 wow. years of marriage. And congratulations. And our yeah, re really cool because I think subconsciously that picture of marriage is not like if you're feeling it. <laughs> Your marriage is lifelong commitment. That's it. And obviously that is not a message in America today. Is that marriage is lifelong. It's that marriage is as long as you're feeling it. And Jay would say, that's yeah. so stupid that when you're feeling it, that's about a you know, tenth of the time. I love that. Right. I mean, it is. I mean, it's true. Like sometimes we... And I'm a hopeless romantic, so I, I'm like all about, you know, the love and the butterflies and stuff. But sometimes we we focus so much on just like the falling in love part. And we forget about the marriage part, right? Like the teammate part, the partner. I mean, just like the logical sense that you truly are choosing to do life. And when you look about life, when you look at life, I mean, life is a roller coaster and you are the testament to that. There's things around the corner that you don't know and the storms are coming, right? And it's, it's that person that's going to stand with you. And so that advice that you just gave <laughs> me about choosing wisely is is um, is so important. And thank you so much of speaking the truth about marriage, right? That teammates, oh, that partnership. Yeah. I want to go into a part in your book. So 
there's a part where you describe a ride home from the doctors and you thought to yourself, I wish everything could go back to how it was normal. And I thought, wow, how timely in a year like 2020, where everyone's life will probably not go back to normal. Not probably. It's, it's, right. not, it's not going to yeah. go back to normal. Yeah. Um, no way. No how way. can. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> how how can we come to a place of accepting this reality? Because I, do, I love when you said that it's about moving forward, not moving on. But to right. move forward, you have to accept how, right. how did you come to this place of like just acceptance? That's a very good question. Um, I, I think in all of our stories and 2020 is a picture of this, like we've right. all got to learn to pivot, to really embrace mm -hmm. where we are, wake up to the reality of our situation and recognize, okay, this is not what I thought it was going to be like but I'm not going to miss what could be for what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to pivot my expectations. And that's so important right. for all of us is to be able to adjust our expectations and change them depending on where we are in our life. That does not mean we settle for less than what we feel like we are called to do and be, but it means that we are wise and we, we're woken up to this is what I'm dealing with right now. Like, for instance, 2020 in the pandemic, like maybe this was not the ideal <laughs> I thought my life would look like in 2020. But that doesn't change the fact here we are. And what are we going right. to do with where we are? Let's, let's recognize and wake up to this is where I am. I like to say hope while you cope. That's the big thing is mm. cope with the reality of what's going on, but find the hope within coping in the reality. I love that's that. Good. Yeah, because it, it's it's interesting. Even when you talk about that's why your story is so is even more you know prominent today more than ever because nobody's immune to struggles or setbacks or you know obstacles. You know, it just looks differently on everybody. Every single suffering looks differently on everybody. Um, and the Absolutely. title of your book is called Suffer Strong. Um, yeah, I would love to yeah. know what does suffer, what does suffer strong mean to you? Oh, absolutely. So yeah, the whole notion of suffering strong has resonated so deeply with us because we believe this truly suffering with strength means recognizing that your definitions of everything in this life have to change. That there's no joy in trying to, to find the quote-unquote good life if you've wrongly defined what the word good actually means. That right. in true goodness, there is loss and there is pain and there is suffering, but that doesn't mean it's not good. And our minds almost can't process like, wait, good things only mean when good things happen. But the right. idea that there is hardship within goodness and that's life is revelatory but that's the beginning of joy when we can recognize good and hard coexist in the same story and they are all part of what makes a life on earth then we can find joy within the story and we can suffer with strength i love that that's very wow. powerful i mean this actually reminds me of something you said um in this YouTube video, I mean, we totally really 
I think we binged a bunch of videos of you because you're just so inspirational. Oh, you're so but funny. You said, <laughs> you said something so powerful and it was saying, in my deep wounding, my healing could come. And I thought this was right. so powerful. Like, can you expand more on how be, by being wounded can actually mean being healed? Absolutely. So for instance, with my body, people would assume like, oh, well, she's so disabled now because she's a stroke survivor. Like that is what right. people think. Like I had a stroke, so my body's really messed up. But that's not actually the case. My body is so messed up because the wise, careful, skilled surgeon made the decision to sacrifice areas of my body so that my healing could come. And I feel like that is just such an incredible word picture that in my deep wounding that the skilled surgeon decided to do, I lived. So in my great wounding, my healing could come. And I think that is a beautiful truth in all of our stories, that there is deep wounding. And I believe many times this the ultimate skilled surgeon is sacrificing so that true flourishing can happen. Wow, that's amazing. How, how did you come to that point, like to, to that realization? How did you get there? Oh my goodness, it took many years, which is always a part of my story that I will harp on until the day I die. But nothing comes quickly. If someone bounces back a week after tragedy and writes a book, no, don't read it. It's not time yet. We got to right. let pain marinate and suffering mm. run its course before we respond. That's silly. So after years and years and years, and now I'm almost at 13 years post-stroke, I've woken up to many of those realities that that in my wounding, my healing could come. But no, it wasn't the day after the stroke. But of course, in living and thinking and praying and speaking about and writing about so many of these thoughts and issues of things like wounding, healing, freedom, you can't help but turn your brain on. You know, I mean, we as women right. and as a people in the world, just really turn off our brains when suffering hits. We're like, it's too much. I'm out. Right. I can't handle this. Instead of right. turning the brain on and saying, okay, what is God doing in my story? What is left after the, the nightmare, the trauma? What remains is what I want to champion with my life. Wow. Right. And you're speaking about time and that's something that everybody always says, just give it time, give it time. I know. And, you know, I also want to shift a little bit to hope because I think that when you look at time, you have to attach hope to it because if not, you're just looking at, oh my God, all these years, but you have to have hope. Can you talk to us a little bit about just your hope and how hope heals, right? And just talk to us a little bit about hope. Absolutely. So shortly after my stroke, I can remember very much thinking, I mean, give it a year and I'll be totally back to normal. You know, I'll be walking, eating normally. My face won't be paralyzed anymore. I won't see double, all the things. I'll be driving again. And 
none of that has happened to date. And yet, I could not feel more healed in the most broken places. So how is that possible? Well, because what was most broken and deeply in need of hope and healing was my heart. I felt like I can't even believe this has happened to my life and my story. It's broken. And I feel like God truly transformed that. And if you don't believe in God, go ahead and call it whatever. Something outside of yourself pushing you on to think, wait a minute. If this is what is truly messed up and broken, don't I have the ability to determine um, how I feel about this? I can feel completely destroyed by what's left and what's remained and what's unhealed. Or I can feel full that, oh wait, this is not what I had in mind for my life and my story. But God can turn my deep sorrow to a joy at being here, at being alive in this story and recognizing God is with me pushing me on that nothing, nothing on my body may ever be fixed. Who knows? And yet mm -hmm. that's totally irrelevant because it's not holding me back. You know, did I get the miracle? That's always the question I ask myself, like, um, do I look much like a miracle? Well, maybe not, but I'm here. Isn't that a miracle? I lived. Absolutely. I believe if you mm -hmm. have I believe if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And God left me on this earth. I have a pulse. So I have tremendous purpose in that. And I think always the beginning of any hope, to answer your question, comes in purpose. And knowing I have a calling on my life, a purpose for being here that is outside of myself and my situation. Absolutely. And you know what they always say, just leave your problems to God that he can handle it. You don't have to take care of that. Leave the burden up to Isn't him. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, we got no problems. <laughs> we'll let God take some Exactly. We have that. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. What do you think your purpose on this earth is? Oh, wow. Such a good question. I, I probably have many, including mothering my two sons. However, <laughs> I feel such a deep call and purpose to advocate for, to inspire, to champion the community of persons living with disabilities, which is the largest minority group in America and in the world. Did wow. you know that? Yeah. No one I, knows no that. Idea. The largest yeah. minority group in the world is people with disabilities. Wow. And the reason you didn't know that, because they're not out in the world. That's the ultimate irony. They're at home. They can't get out in a world not made for them. So no one would know the massive population struggling with disabilities of all kinds. So I love championing for them, inspiring them, encouraging them. My husband and I have a summer camp for families with disabilities. And it is the joy of our life to get to pour into people who have horribly broken, tragic stories, but are living beautiful lives, celebrating what God's left after the wreckage, um, yes. what remains in the story, which is joyful. Wow. I love that. 
Catherine, you are a miracle. And Thank it was you. such an honor to have you here. And the work that you are doing is, is God's work. It's God's work and your oh. time here today with us has touched us deeply. And we, we're gonna have to do this again because I know your purpose and your journey will continue for many more years and we're gonna have to continue bringing you on. But I just wanna say thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about Catherine and get inspired by her messages, visit hopeheals.com and pick up a copy of her book, Suffer Strong, How to Survive Anything by Redefining Everything. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation, keeping the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW, always love Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.